Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Where can I find God? There is today, without question, a world that is seeking. As we welcome you today, we, we certainly are glad you're here in, in the flesh. And, you know, your body was willing, and, and, uh, or maybe your spirit was willing, and your body hadn't caught up yet. But we're just glad you're here. At the end of the service, we're going to give you a chance to respond to what God's doing in your life at the end of this service. Um, for those of you that are here first-time guests, uh, we have a beautiful family Bible we want to give to you at the end of this service. We asked you to come over here to the hospitality room. I wish you I'm pointing this way, but you go out in the foyer, out where the tables are set up with all the ministries. We want everybody to go by there and look and find not, not if you're going to serve, but where you're going to serve. And turn to the left and right across the hallway from the library, out of the foyer, you'll see people gathering to get the Bibles. We have them in English and in Spanish. We want you to come do that. But right in the center of the foyer, back behind Jesus washing Peter's feet, the bronze of the divine servant, there is a room called the Connection Center. And that's where the Spirit of God dwells in a powerful way. That's like the Holy of Holies at Sagemont. It's a place where God is, where you can make a decision to receive Him as Savior. You can make a commitment to be baptized if you know the Lord but never had believer's baptism. You can, you can become a part of the Sagemont Church family. Maybe God's got a call on your life or something you need to pray about. That's where you will go. And so Brother David will lead us at the end in one song, and we'll give you a chance to do that. But in the meantime, I want to draw your attention to right here at this moment. For those of you that are watching by the Internet and by television, I want you to focus with me on one thing for the next about 35 minutes. I want you to focus on where is God? Where is he? Is he different places to different people? Where is God? And how can you claim that which he has promised you if you're willing to let him take over your life? Remembering that he's promised not to ever, ever withhold any good thing from you. And I want you to stay very, very focused. I'm not going to have you stand this morning for the reading of the scripture. I want you to... Pay attention to the screens. When, when I read the scripture, they will go up on the screen. I do want to encourage you to, to bring a Bible to the, to the services uh, in the coming days. I know you can, you can do it on the computer and all. Let me tell you one little difference about this book. Everything in this book is good. Everything on your computer is not good. And uh, you might just be tempted to hit the wrong button when you put out your computer and be somewhere where God doesn't want you to be. And I would want to encourage you to stick with us during this study. And I'm going to try to convey to you what God, I feel like, has renewed in my heart. That if you want to have victorious life day by day, the only thing you've got to understand is that you belong to God. And God lives in you. And he is going to be your power, your provider, your protector. He will be the one that will give you great wisdom and I'll touch on a few of these things in just a minute. So I'm going to give you three scriptures, and then we're going to go to the main 
which is the 139th Psalm. You, you be ready. I want you to keep it open there. But in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it's my favorite verse of Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Second Scripture I want to remind you of is in Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we, the believers, have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just stop there and tell you very simply, that scripture says, if you have faith that God, that Jesus is the son of God, that he was crucified for your sin, buried in the grave and rose on the third day, If you believe that and receive that gift of eternal life, you are justified. Justified just as if I'd never sinned. In other words, you're born again. And along with that comes a peace that passes all understanding. As Paul says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. Now who's he talking to? All of us that have received him. All of us that have acknowledged we're a sinner, invited him in to our life. Now I want you to keep those in the back of your mind. And now think with me for just a moment. If you were going to evaluate what's a good doctor, how do you know a good doctor? If you were going to go out and find a doctor and say, this is going to be my personal physician. um, When you go to a doctor, there's two things I think you want to know. Number one is that you've got a doctor that's going to look for the cause of why you're sick. In other words, if you are ill, it's called test. They're going to run tests and find out what is really wrong with you. Now, see, the problem today is we don't know what's wrong with us. We don't know. I'm talking about believers for sh- as well as non-believers. A lot of believers don't know what's wrong. Okay? Now, you've got to find out what's wrong. And then number two, when the doctor finds out what's wrong, then a good doctor will find the cure. Here's the problem. Here's the cure. I submit to you early in the message, sin is a problem and Jesus is the cure. And anything else falls short. There's no other name given among men whereby we can be cured or saved or born again. And so as we think about everything I'm fixing to say, I want you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to, you know, look around, act like there's nobody here but you. And I had my time alone when I was getting this message ready. I want you to have your time alone to just block out anybody else that's here. But I would submit to you a person would have some very serious mental problems today if they believed that nothing is wrong with our civilization and nothing is wrong with our nation and nothing is wrong with our families and nothing is wrong with our young people and nothing is wrong with our middle-aged people and nothing is wrong with our children and nothing is wrong with our senior adults and nothing is wrong with our, our families and nothing is wrong with our... You'd have a real problem, I think, if you don't believe there's something wrong here. Something is wrong. What's got into us? I tell you what's got into us. Sin's got into us. And the way sin got into us was that we didn't have our guard up. 
And the reason that, that and, and the way we didn't have our guard up was that Jesus takes the first hit. We were hearing the news about the rockets going into Israel and how they were shooting the rockets out of the air. And they literally knocked hundreds of them out of the air. What kept those rockets from hitting the target? The weapon that was used to knock them out of the air. Now, how in the world does a believer walk in the victory? You remember that no weapon that's formed against us shall prosper because this is the inheritance of the children of God. We don't know how to use the weapon. We don't even know the weapon if we saw it. The Bible says this is the sword. This is the sword, the word of God. But we don't know the word of God. And we will brag about the fact, I don't read it too deep, I don't understand the King James English. Oh yes, you can understand King James English. That's not your problem. Your problem is you don't understand the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts. That's where the problem comes in. As long as you understand that, uh, that he is the way and nothing else is the way, you're on the right track. You can almost open up any scripture knowing that he, you have sinned and he didn't. You don't have a clue what's going to happen tomorrow and he's gonna, he knows what's going to happen throughout all eternity. Now that's the truth. But we like to argue because there's something wrong with us and that is for whatever reason we're like a young child that rebels against loving parents and protective parents. They're a fool. A kid is a fool that is blessed with godly parents that rebels against those godly parents because they're the ones that will protect them, provide for them, encourage them, be there, strengthen them, you name it, they will be there. But they wanna be like the other kids that don't have that kind of a family and they wanna be like them because that group won't accept them and then all the trouble happens after that. So, I want you to know that victory comes in your life, now follow this, it's gonna be kinda of tough on you, Victory comes in your life when you love Jesus and his presence in your life more than you love Satan and sin and the presence of sin in Satan's world. When you start loving Jesus more than you love this world, you're on the right track. But until that happens, you are not on the right track. Thou shalt have no other God before me, Commandment, very clear from the Old Testament. When you go to the book of the Revelation and it ends, it says if anybody adds to or takes away from what's in this book, they should, should be executed spiritually. That's the truth. But we simply don't get it. We simply, I'm talking to believers right now, or those that say they're believers. Most believers, quote unquote, love the world more than they love God. All you have to do is look around. What do they watch on television? What movies do they go to? When Sunday has a conflict with any kind of form of entertainment and you or your family is involved, where do you go and what do you choose? Where is it where you find a spot to where you say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to make sure that the manager may not be pleased if my kid doesn't show up. The movie may go broke because nobody comes and the football stadium may be empty on Sunday when the team loses, but I'm going to be a winner 
Because I'm going to be in the house of God on God's day because it started with that. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As Brother Bill, Brother David, our entire music ministry, all of that, when we come to worship, the point is get us to recognize, not to get God here, but to let God be God. Let God start convicting, encouraging, comforting, strengthening, helping us, guiding us. But you have to let go of the world and follow the Lord. It can't be just something you do when there's not anything that the world has to offer that is better. And as we walk through life, Satan has always come over here, come over here, come over here. Some people choose just to deny God. Romans 1 says, I made myself so evident creation, you're without an excuse. Others choose to disobey God. And they rebel against God. Some just reject God. And then there are those that say they believe in God. But listen, they've forgotten who God is. And they've forgotten where he is. They come up with these very pious thoughts. Well, I've been a long way away from God recently. Oh, no, you haven't. Oh, don't tell me he saw, he heard, he knows. Yeah, he knows. Yes, he saw. Yes, he heard. Oh, well, I thought I was way away. No, you weren't away from God. He was right there weeping his heart out as you were eating the trash of this world while he had the riches in heaven for you. He had God's best for you. And you rejected it. And you became like the world. I'm going to feed where the world feeds. I'm going to do what they do, drink what they drink, smoke what they smoke, inject what they inject, have the morals that they have, attend what they attend, listen to what they listen to, do what they do. But oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, no, you don't. No. Now, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me and you and everybody that's watching or listening. God must have preeminence. And the moment you think that God doesn't know every thought you have right now, some of you right now are just so mad you can hardly stand it. Probably. God doesn't care. Since he don't care, I don't care. Because I know God's got something good for you. And I don't want you eating at the, at the slop of the hogs when God has got manna wanting to come down out of heaven in the greatest forms that you can imagine. He wants to love you, comfort you, encourage you, forgive you, strengthen you, give you a brand new life. I mean, you just go on and on. No good thing will he withhold from you. That's what he wants. Would you let him have it? You're, would you let him have his way in your life? Over in the 139th Psalm, if you'll read those first 18 verses, oh Lord, you've searched me, you know me, you know my down sitting, you know my uprising, you understand me from afar off. Thou compass my path and my lying down art acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before you've laid your hand upon me. David goes on to say, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I take my bed into hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, 
Even the night shall be light upon me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I'll praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your work, and that my soul knoweth right well. Let me just stop right there. King David, you remember him? Do you remember David and Bathsheba? You remember David's high time when he was a teenager, he kills the giant? And then he commits adultery with another man's wife and then goes out and has her husband killed. That's David. That's the David that God said, but David's a man after my own heart. Was that what you need to do? Commit adultery? Go kill a few people? No. Well, why is that man after God's own heart? Because he acknowledged his sin, repented of it. And when he repented of it, God forgave him. He said, create me a clean heart, O God, Psalm 51. Renew a right spirit within me. And then you're going to see a change. God did it, and he changed. And same thing will happen to you. God wants you just like you are. Listen, don't you try to get enough good deeds and enough good stars to make up for where you've messed up. You just need something to erase it. And you need the blood of Christ to come and cleanse from every sin. I got after ants this week. I was killing them one at a time when I started, but I finally found something that I could spray a 10-foot swath, and I killed every moving bug that got in front of me because <laughs> I finally found the source of power, and it wasn't in a fly swatter and a broom handle. And let me tell you something. God is all-powerful. God is all-present, and God is, has all knowledge. You and I, for some reason, have a desire, just like Paul did and Peter and so many others. We forget, we forget, we forget. Peter, any time that he forgot that God was there, he went nuts. He went crazy. He lost his vocabulary. He lost his faith. I mean, on and on and on. So I got a question for you. Has there ever been a time when God was not alive? You just answer this rhetorical question. Has there ever been a time when God was not alive? Ever. Where was God before Adam? Did Adam and God show up at the same time? Not. Where was he? Um, most, most important question, where is he now? Where is he right now? Well, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the world keep silence. Where's the temple? Sage my church. <laughs> one, one, three, two, three. No. 11,300 South Sam Houston Park Play. No. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God in us, the hope of glory. As you go from step to step, point to point, mountain to mountain, war to war, battle to battle, disease to disease, God wants to walk with you. And when David asked that question in verse 7 of Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The answer was nowhere. Nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Children are born with such an imagination. Little kids come up and they get about one, two, and they get to playing in the dirt and they pick up something and they bring and show it to mother and mother goes berserk if it's a roach or, or a grasshopper. And, oh, she just goes into pandemonium. And they looking like, well, what's wrong with my mother? Look, 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 look. We're born that way. 
God's made himself so evident in creation that children all over the world are fascinated by what God has created. But then those children grow up. And it's somewhere along the way, I don't know whether it's intermediate school or high school, but somewhere along the way, those children are exposed to the cold, hard uh, science uh, exercises. We uh, see that practical world and that scientific world it can become so cold because it's ever changing it's ever changing science is not there's no scientific fact science is a study and then it changes just about the time you think something is right then science finds out it's not like we thought it was what we used to think we used to teach we used to think but it changes it is always changing but the fact is Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and he never changes in the beginning, God creates, and he starts from there. So all of a sudden, we find young people getting older, and that original sin beginning to eat away, and all these things are coming against us. Science wants to doubt, make us doubt. Then the majority wants to make us doubt. That which is popular... We certainly don't want to miss out on that. But when that happens, you better have something that will remind you that God is the creator of the universe and he's king of kings and he's lord of lords. And his spirit dwells on this planet. His spirit convicts. His spirit enlightens us. His spirit gives us everything we need to get through today and tomorrow. So David, the psalmist David, shepherd boy David, musician David, king David, he comes to realize that God is in everything. And because he's in, in, in uh, everything, he ne God never sleeps. He never dies. Nothing's too hard for him. Nothing is too complicated for him. And again, all power is given to him in heaven and in earth. And David locks on to this, and in those verses of Scripture that I read to you, he simply is saying, number one, and the theologians have, a, have three big words. If you want to impress your friends in Bible study, one is omniscient, omniscient. The word omniscient means God knows everything. Verse 2 of Psalm 139, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You know everywhere I go and what I do when I get there. God knows everything. There's nothing he doesn't know. The questions that you and I have that won't be answered until we see him, he knows the answer to the question. He is, he is, he is omniscient. He does know what's wrong with you. And he does know the cure for what's wrong with you. Your problem is sin. My problem is sin. And the answer is Jesus. And he is alive. I don't have to wait till he comes back again. You know, everybody thinks that they're going to, when Jesus comes back, they're going to get it all right. They're hoping there'll be seven days, seven years, thousand years or something, and then they're going to work it all out. But right now, they're just going to live like the devil. No, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And when that happens, it's over. It's over. David said, you know my every thought. He said in verse four, you know every word that comes out of my mouth. Nothing is hidden from God. 
When you come and analyze that, this one little old simple childlike thought, did you hear what you're thinking? He knows. What you did, he knows. Just think about it for a moment. But all the time he said, but I still love you. I 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 love you. But I just hate to see you self-destructing. Paul in the New Testament had all kinds of thoughts. Over in the book of Romans, we read from when you go through Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, you read the words like in verse 34 of chapter 11, for who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. In other words, who taught God? Nobody. Who, who, who gave God power? Nobody. Well, well who, who gave God all these? Nobody. He's just God. From the beginning, he was God. But he's also, David said, he's everywhere. Wherever I go, heaven, he's there. Going to hell, he's there. He's omnipresent. That's a theological word. And that, where can I go? Nowhere, because he's everywhere. You say, well, I was raised in a home where God wasn't in our home. Some of you came from Christians' home, but God wasn't in my home. Yeah, God was in your home. He was being ignored in your home. He loved your parents. He loved you, loved your family. You weren't raised on the wrong side of town. God had a plan. You heard of Michael Pender preach the other day and the miracle that God did in his life. And you will hear so many like that. David, I think you referred in the earlier service of how God got a hold of your life at one time. Those stories are fill this auditorium, fill this auditorium. God will take you right where you are. But you've got to understand, it's got to be a God thing, not a religious thing. You can throw away your books and your catechisms and all this kind of stuff. Forget your memorized prayers and just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and God in due time will exalt you. But you cannot play this religious game. David tried everything. In verses 8 through 12, when he goes into all that, he talks about the darkness. You know, he, he tries to go into the dark places and the light comes on. And he goes through all of that stuff. Job tried to hide from God. And also Adam and Eve, you remember? They got the fig leaves and they wanted to hide their nudity and all. They got all of this stuff happening. But they couldn't hide from God. Isaiah the prophet made it very clear when Jesus was born. This, amaze, this, this ought to amaze anybody here today that doesn't know anything about the Bible. Isaiah the prophet wrote thousands of years before Bethlehem's story when Jesus was born in a manger and placed in a manger. Here's what he wrote. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel. What does the word Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us. He says, listen, folks, listen, Old Testament people. There is coming one. Your world's falling apart. Go back and read that Old Testament. Man, they were killing and slaying on every page. And this kingdom was up against this kingdom. This king loved God and this one didn't. And here we go, back and forth. 
But through all of this, through all of this, the prophet comes out and said, there's coming a one. His name is Emmanuel. The word is going to become flesh, God with us. And that happened. And God became flesh and dwelt among men for 30 years among us as Jesus. And then before he left, the third part of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Spirit of God. Where can I hide from his spirit? You can't hide from his spirit because Jesus said, it's best for me to go back because you need somebody to be with you. We need, if there's a thousand people here, we need God in a thousand places when we break up. If there's 2,000 people, we need 2,000. Well, how do you get one person to go with 2,000? It's called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit goes with us. And that Holy Spirit prepares the way. That Holy Spirit convicts us. It empowers us. It directs us. It turns the light on in the darkness and we see things that the world cannot see. And we come out from the world and we become separate and we walk with God. Now, when that happens, victory is yours. You begin to start celebrating. When we say God is alive, Jesus is alive, the Holy Spirit is alive, it means that wherever we go today, God is aware of it. He knows about it. And he has answered to any problem you face right now. Any problem you face. There may be a battle raging in your life this morning. God's ready to take over. Back away. Let him step forward. Let him fight the battle for you. You remember what David said when he went against the big giant? He said, this isn't my battle. It's God's battle. And he guided that rock. And kill that mighty giant. That's what God wants to do with me. That's what he wants to do with you. He's here right now. You may be in this room. You may be listening by radio. Watching on television. Watching on the internet. Let me tell you something. You can't fool God. You're struggling. You're struggling big time. The years are ticking off. The hours are ticking off. We've had two, it's already been mentioned this week. It's one of our staff, Gary Bradley, here last Sunday. He's ministered to every person in this room right now, if you've ever been here before. That man has ministered to you. He's with the Lord today. Dan Nagel sat right over there every Sunday. He was here last Sunday, just like that, before his 65th birthday, gone. Gary, late 50s. That wasn't what they had planned for the week. They had their long-range plans, just like you and I have. But nobody knows what another day is going to bring. But here's one thing certain. Whatever it does bring, God's not going to leave me and he's not going to forsake me. He, he may, I may not be in this world, but he'll go with me into the next world. And when I stand at the gates of heaven, Simon Peter isn't going to welcome me in. Jesus is going to welcome me in. And he's going to welcome you in if you know him. But you've got to get a hold of it right now and see, I've got the best guide. I've got one that no weapon formed against him is going to prosper. And I'm going to come out of here and devil... You are not going to con me. You are not going to take my money. I'm getting out of that lottery mess. I am getting back with God. I'm going to put God first in my life, and I'm going to walk with God, and we're going to see what the devil thinks about that, and then see what, God, you do with this old sinner's life. He's here right now. Job was in such trouble fifth chapter he said for affliction does not come from the dust nor does trouble spring from the ground yet man is born in trouble as the sparks fly upward 
But the psalmist came back in the 46th Psalm. I love this one. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You in trouble today? A very present help. If things are going today, things are going good today, why don't you um, quit thinking about what might go wrong tomorrow or the next day or the next day? You know, why, you know why we have trouble? We don't live in the right now. You know, I'm worried about what's going to happen to my job. You got a job today? Yeah, but I'm afraid I'm going to live. Well, enjoy the job today. Praise the Lord today. I got a job. I got a job. Devil, I got a job. And I'm serving the Lord. That's what I do. I'm serving the Lord. I'm having a big time. But you know what? Most of us have gotten caught up in this thing. We're always looking ahead. How's God going to do tomorrow? How's it going to do the next day? Did you know it's okay to say the, say the prayer for, the, for lunch and just pray, thank you, God, for this food, amen, rather than thank you, God, for this food and bless this and bless this and bless the puppy dog and help me with this and help me with that. So for someone, kind of catch up on your prayer line. It's okay to just say, thank you, God, for my kids. But then God, now help them do this, help them do this. God, will, God, thank you for the kids. Stick with them. I know you're with them. I can't do nothing about it, but I trust you. And when they need a good spanking, just whip them. <laughs> and if the Child Protective Services come, don't worry about it. If you do the whipping, they can't do nothing about it, okay? <laughs> but here's what we do, folks. I got to close. But here's what you do. You can't enjoy the right now. I can look on the faces of some of you, and you look like you've been vaccinated with a pickle juice. <laughs> some of you are worried to death. You're just that close to making some of the sorriest decisions that a person could ever make. You know why? Because you're going to make them and God's not going to make them because you've forgotten that God tells you about how to run your marriage, how to run your business, how to run your health, how to raise your kids, how to do everything you want to do. God is there. Just let go and let God. And when God does it, say, goodness gracious, God, I wouldn't have done it that way, but your ways are higher than my ways. And in 15 years, you'll say, thank you, God. I almost messed up 15 years ago, but you knew, didn't you? You knew my kids better than I did. Yeah, I knew them before you ever saw them. They brought them out and gave them to you. But Jesus is not only our redeemer, but he's the rock. He's a rock of ages. He's a rock of our salvation. And on Christ, the solid rock I stand and no other ground, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground. To close, that's theological word, omnipotent. 19th chapter of Psalms, verse 14, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you in your sight, O Lord. Listen, my strength and my redeemer. Folks, it's so good when you know who's in charge. It's so good when you know who's going to win and you belong to him. When the weapon comes against you, the shield goes up, the shield of faith. What's the shield of faith that the Bible talks about? My faith is in Jesus Christ. If it comes through the shield, it's because God has allowed it. If he's allowed it, he has a purpose for it. But there's so many of you that are here today, if you would just right today say, I'm going to start doing it God's way. There's a hundred people. Most of them will be here today. 
or a large majority will. You need to be baptized. You've already come and gave your heart to Christ. You said, I want to follow Jesus. I want to obey Jesus. I want Jesus to live in my life. And he says, Jesus said, okay, I'm going to set the example. I'm going to be baptized. I want you to be baptized. And you haven't even been baptized. And you wonder, well, it didn't go like I thought it was going to go. You know why? Because you hadn't done what he told you to do. And Jesus goes, one, two, three, four, five. He didn't go, one, five, four, two, three, 16, four, one, two. No, one, two, three, four, five, six. You start with him and you finish with him. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. David closes and he starts talking about when he was a little baby. He said, I was formed in my mother's womb before anybody ever saw me. Before the doctor saw me, mama saw me, daddy saw me. I was being formed. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet informed, unformed. You saw me before I was ever formed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. The wonder of wonders, human life. And all of our warfare, our great nation, we've legalized every sin we can. And more coming. In marriage, drugs, sex, abortion, 60 million babies have died in America that were created, as David said, before anybody ever saw you, I had a plan for your life. And we have Christians people rise up to defend what God says is an abomination to me. Folks, it ought to break our heart in America, what's happening. And we're sitting. You say, well, I'm going to go vote. No, that's not what's, no, voting's not going to get it. You can forget the vote. The majority's already on the other side. But I tell you what, there's one that's stronger than all the voters in America, and his name is Jesus. His name is God. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that can bring this nation to its knees if it does not repent. But if it repents, if my people which are called by my name, notice how personal this is. If my people which are called by my name will just simply turn from their wicked ways, confess their sins, then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Folks, he's here. Jesus is here. He loves you just as much as he loves me. He loves you just as much as he loves the Pope, Billy Graham, Tony Evans, Charles Stanley, you name them. He loves you just as much. It doesn't matter whether you're saved or not. He loves you. If you're saved, would you today make a commitment to serve him? Will you go out there in that foyer and say, I'm going to serve. That's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord with what I have. I'm going to give him my life, give him my substance. We're going to give an invitation. Brother David is going to come and he's going to lead us in a beautiful closing song. As we sing this song, oh, I wish I could just come out to every one of you, put my arm around you and just say, would you just give me 10 more minutes, just you and me, and let's just go talk in a private place and see if the Spirit of God doesn't show up. The room that we call that Connection Center that I mentioned earlier is going to be filled with people now that wants to talk with you. 
they don't have a canned speech. They have, they're going to listen, but they're going to let you know one thing. God loves you. He loves you just like you are. And if you're not walking with him, he wants to walk with you because you're missing all the good stuff and you're selling, you're settling for the junk. And if you'll just go out those doors here or here, turn to the left out of this one or to the right. As soon as you walk through those doors, there'll be people there to greet you and meet you and talk to you. If you're a guest again, just passing through, please come get a Bible. Let us give that to you. Let us have that much impact on your life in the future to give you those 66 books that were written over those 3,000 years by 40 different authors in three different languages from three continents, and there's no contradiction in them. Take those books home with you. They're a gift. I promise you, they're a gift. Let's stand. Dear God, We realize that right now that all of hell and the demons of hell are a buzz. Satan is infuriated. The demons are like wild African bees. They're like rattlesnakes wanting to attack with the venom. To say to those for whom you loved and died for, you've just heard a bunch of lies and the Bible is just a book of fables. And God, I'm asking you to set some people free here today. That there will be some that will step out and say, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm not going to let the devil have my life one more day. And God, I know what will happen. I've witnessed it for a long, long time. How they can be changed and born again. And old things pass away and all things become new. So bless this song is my prayer in Jesus' name that people will come to the Savior that we now sing about. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.